Fantastic. Well, who's excited about 2019? Oh, good. There's three of us looking forward to this year. And uh, we'll, hopefully we are. We're only two weeks in. Hopefully it's going okay for most of you. But this morning, I want to speak to you about what it is to be on this journey of faith and to be a disciple of Christ. I kind of want to talk to you about some fundamentals and some foundational things, this understanding that we truly are followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And it all begins at that point where we surrender our lives over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Who remembers that moment for them? At that point where we put our hands in the air and say, no longer do I want to live my way, but I want to live for him. I want to open my heart and allow Jesus to be Lord of my life. You do know that's what you said when you asked Jesus into your heart, didn't you? Did you put your hands in the air and said, Lord, I, I surrender my life over to you. You remember that prayer, right? Where it was a moment of surrender, where you say to Jesus, you are now Lord of my life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at my life and think, boy, who, who truly is in control? Who really is leading this life? I don't know about you, but I've got to constantly come back to that moment of, Lord, that's right. I surrendered my life to your lordship. We receive this revelation and understanding that we were created for relationship with God. It's an amazing moment when it finally happens for us. The sense of freedom that comes over us, the feeling of God's deep love that surrounds us, the amazement at finding our place in the will of God. It's an incredible beginning to an amazing journey when you find Christ. Is that true? Have I got friends here this morning? I hope you enjoyed it so far because then comes this transition in the journey. This realization that the decision to follow Jesus really is only the beginning point. It really is only a starting point that then life becomes about change and transformation. Who likes the word change? Well, Jesus will set about changing your life when you put him in control. It's not always easy. It's not always pleasant, but it's for our blessing and for our benefit that God is interested in our transformation. I've said it many times from the platform, but God doesn't save us and leave us how we are. Who's thankful for that? If you know me or knew me at all, you'd be thankful that God did not leave me the way that he found me. But in the beginning, we experienced true freedom. But true freedom is a journey of being set free. Have you ever noticed that not every breakthrough happens at the moment you begin to follow Jesus? Are there any Christians that can agree with that statement? We have old mindsets that set themselves up and hold us captive, and those things need to change. We see it in scriptures like this, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See the transforming by what? What are we being transformed by? The renewing of our minds. That means we have some mindsets that need renewed. When Christ finds us, we need some breakthrough in the area of how we think and how we see the world we live in. So we see this idea that our minds need renewed. We need our thought patterns transformed to align with the word 
of God. So we as followers of Jesus Christ know the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. It's a journey. So the journey of faith is exactly that. A faith journey. Incredible, isn't it? Man, I'm, I'm smart. When I wrote that, I thought, boy, that's insightful. As we continue in this journey, we begin to find our purpose in God. Discover through a relationship with the Holy Spirit that we have been gifted by God. That no longer is our purpose found in what we do or what we have done or what we've achieved or who we know. But our purpose is to love God, be loved by Him, and make Him known to others. We discover we are sons and daughters and not slaves or orphans, as the Bible puts it. Our identity begins to shift from my abilities, my appearance, how I look to others. And I care about how I look, by the way. That's why I got a new t-shirt today. So if I wore a t-shirt, it was kind of cool. Did I I get it right? Oh, you're all so kind. or, Or liars, one or the other. But it's more than my appearance. It's more than my abilities. It shifts to who I truly am in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing journey. And discipleship is for our benefit. It's for our result, for our transformation. Yet it it is our decision to be discipled. Do you realize that? We have a will. Some of us stronger wills than others. Like my daughter, she's not in here, is she? It's a stronger will than my son. In fact, she's got a stronger will than anyone else on planet Earth. We have a will. We have the ability to decide and to choose How much discipling we'll allow God to do in our life. How much transformation we'll allow God to bring. Because we can position ourselves for change and transformation. But we can also opt out of that journey if we so choose. It's our decision to be discipled. To go go just beyond the initial starting point of salvation and move into transformation. To continue to open our hearts to change and transformation because... Newsflash, none of us is perfect yet. Did you realize that? I don't think I've met anybody that's perfect yet. Certainly when I look in the mirror, it's far from perfect. 2019 will be another year of change and growth if we'll continue to allow God room in our lives. As I begin this year, my posture is so far this. God, I'm willing To allow you room in my life to bring the change that you need to bring because my goodness do I need to change in some areas in my life. And I'm aware of who I am and what I face. And so my posture is, God, bring the change that you need to bring. And I feel in my heart, that's the posture God wants from all his children. Is this posture that says, God, I know there's stuff that's going wrong. I know I'm not perfect. I know there's a lot in my life that needs change. But I posture myself, I'm willing, God, to give you the room this year to bring the change that you need to bring. But it's my will, it's my desire, it's my choice, and it's also your choice. We see this journey with the Israelites in Numbers chapter 11. They're in the desert being led by Moses out of captivity. So they've been in captivity in Egypt. And Moses has set the people free So they're walking into their freedom and towards the promised land. It hasn't been easy. It's not an easy journey. There's a whole lot of difficulty, and I don't have time to go into it all this morning. But what we see is they've been set free from captivity. They're on a journey to the promised land, and God has been providing for them along the way. 
They've been living on what the Bible calls manna from heaven, which is like coriander seed kind of made into a resin that they could crush and make loaves of bread out of. God was providing food for them. But these people, the people of God, wanted more than that. They wanted meat. If you've read Numbers 11 at all, they begin grumbling to Moses. And they say things like this, we should have stayed in Egypt, the place of captivity, the place that had become what they knew and somehow was comfortable for them. They were still God's people in Egypt in captivity, but they'd become somewhat comfortable in their chains because the journey to freedom was difficult for the Israelite people. And they got to a point in the journey where they felt, I'd rather go back to bondage and to the chains I have than journey to the freedom that God's got for me because it's got difficult along the way. Because we're only getting this bread and this manna from heaven and we want meat and they begin to grumble at God. Transformation, discipleship, walking in God's will for our lives, finding freedom, it's not always easy. The Israelites found this, and so will we. However, the promise is that God is with us. He's the God of the journey. He doesn't leave us on our own. Have we look at the story quickly in Numbers 11, 18 to 20? This is God speaking. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. I find this next bit quite funny. I don't know if you do at all, but you will not just eat it for one day or two days or five or 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils And you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. There's a key in that. And have wailed before him saying, why do we ever leave Egypt? These people are in the midst of a journey to the promised land. They're grumbling and they're complaining. And God's presence has been with them in miraculous ways. And they're still grumbling and they're still complaining. They reject God in the middle of their journey. But you see, he is the Lord of the journey. He's not just the God of great beginnings. Because now I'm saved, that's awesome. Now I'm saved, that's enough. Now I'm saved, I'm happy, I'm promised eternity, that's enough for me. He's more than God of the beginning. He's more than God of that particular promise. The journey of transformation and the journey of discipleship. A lot of people say, it's not really for me. Actually, it's for all of us. It's God's love manifest in your life in actual fact. That God doesn't save you and leave you how he found you, but God wants to bring great change and transformation and hope into your life. But change is not easy. The Israelites found the change to the journey difficult and challenging. But God has a magnificent plan and purpose for each of us in our lives. And it's found and discovered in the midst of the journey we call faith. This morning we're going to spend a little bit of time in Matthew chapter 7. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and boy, it's quite some sermon. But this morning I really only have time to pick up on a few things. So I want to begin by picking up on verse 7 of Matthew 7. But up to this point, the Sermon on the Mount has laid down ideas and understanding of things like righteousness 
sincerity, humility, purity, love, all the things expected of the followers of Jesus. Now, it assures us such gifts when sought through prayer. And there are three parts to prayer in Matthew chapter 7 that are kind of key for us in this whole area. They are simply ask, seek, and knock. And I felt as I was preparing, there is a key for 2019. Actually, there's a key for every year. But it's ask, seek, knock in prayer this year. Let me encourage you in prayer this year. I don't know how good you are at prayer, how committed you are to prayer. But if you want some breakthrough in your life, let me put this to you today. This, let this year be a year where you ask God, you seek God, and you knock on the door of heaven until you receive your breakthrough. I don't know about you, I need a breakthrough. I can't give up on it. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. It's a scripture that can often be taken out of context. And in a lot of ways, if we're not careful, become a hyper gospel and indicate something that it doesn't indicate because all of a sudden we can tip into prosperity if we're not careful of whatever I ask of God, I'll receive. And it's not actually saying that, but righteousness, sincerity, humility, purity, and love, it's quite a list, by the way. Actually, in our own strength and outside of Christ, those things are impossible for us to achieve. We already know we can't earn righteousness. It is a gift given to us by Jesus and lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit. This, as a disciple, is not Jesus demanding the impossible of us as followers, but him providing the means for the impossible. Ask, seek, and knock. It is relating to transformation of my life. God, break through in my life. Look at Matthew 7, verse 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's my question for you this year. What are you asking of God this morning? What are you asking of God? In 2019, what are you asking of God? What is it you need God to do for you? What breakthrough do you need from God? What is it you're seeking in a relationship with God? God, I love you. God, I know you love me. I know I'm a son. I know I'm a daughter. But here is what I need from you this year. I wonder what you're asking of God. What is it in your life you're seeking from Christ? What would you bang the door of heaven down to receive? Because our God gives good gifts to those who ask. When we are asking with the right motives and for the right things, we will see answered prayer. The kind of prayer is to do with our faith journey, our discipleship, and our transformation. Not so much to do with the need for a new car, though that's okay if you want a new car to ask for one, but the context of the scripture is about our discipleship, our transformation, our, our inner life, the change that God will bring. And there's nothing wrong with asking for the new car, as I say, but our desire as disciples, our primary desire needs to be God, bring the transformation in my life from the inside out. I wonder how many of us are looking at our year this year and the things we're wanting to accomplish in 2019 are on the inside of us. I wonder for how many of us, 
We're looking at some of the areas of our life and going, boy, I need some change in that area this year. As I go on my holiday tomorrow and I do an inventory on my life, there are many things, blessings and things I would love God to give me. And I know God does because God is a, a good God. But more than that, the inventory needs to be, Lord, what's broken that needs fixed? What attitudes, what wrong thinking, what messed up stuff on the inside of my life really needs transformation. And if I can find those things, that's what I'll ask God about. That's what I'll seek him over. That's what I'll bang on the door of heaven for. See, right now I need a healing in my life. Well, I'm going to ask God, I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to bang down the door of heaven for that. But as much as I need a physical healing, on the other side, I need some great breakthrough and some area of difficulty in the way I think, in the way I act, in the way I behave. I don't know about you, but this year there's some stuff that you can say, God, I recognize I need some change. Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. As we progress through Matthew chapter 7, we see there are two gates, two roads to be traveled, the wide road and the narrow road, the wide gate and the narrow gate. I wish I had time to speak on those this morning. We also see there are two trees relating to true and false prophets. See, from a distance, a poisonous berry on a thorn bush could look like a grape. Or thistles from a distance could be mistaken as flowers. Understand this. It's by someone's fruit that you will know them. Not by what you see or hear from a distance. It's by the fruit that comes out of someone's life. So there are two trees. One talks about the false prophet. One talks about the true prophet. But in this next bit this morning, I want to take just a little bit more time over it. And hopefully it will bless you today. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. It's a confronting passage. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I wonder who else gets confronted by that passage of scripture. For me in this passage, it highlights that our discipleship is more about relationship with Jesus than it is about duty or what we are able to achieve in our lives. Intimacy with Christ is what is central to any disciple's life. We can get so caught up in doing and task and lose the connection somehow with the Savior, and that's not God's plan for us as the church at all, that we get so busy doing stuff, operating in the name of Jesus, doing all these things that we forget about intimacy with the Savior. And I feel like as I was preparing for this this week that Jesus is hungry for intimacy with you. In 2019, Jesus wants a closeness with you. It's not like people just quit on their faith, get up one morning and decide, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm done with Jesus. No, no, it's a slipping away. It's a drifting from the intimacy with Christ. And I feel like Jesus is just hungry for relationship with his people. This closeness, this intimacy. We focus a lot on what we do for God, the mission. I certainly do the mission of God, reaching people who don't know Jesus. 
focus a lot on what we can do and we can achieve as the church because God has given us a clear mandate and a clear mission, but equal to the importance of the mission and its outcomes is intimacy with Christ. Because if we're going to be effective for the kingdom of God to advance, it has to come out of that place of closeness and intimacy with our Savior. In this passage, I don't judge the claims of that they're false, that these people didn't do all these things they say they do, but rather their claims alone are actually insufficient. The fact that he never knew them, for me, shows how close to spiritual reality one can be and never truly know relationship with the Savior. If you want proof of that, Judas Iscariot's life is proof. He's in Jesus' inner circle. He's one of the 12 disciples. And yet he can betray the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be close to spiritual reality and somehow lose the point of the whole thing. See, it's good again to remember we began in relationship with Jesus when we felt the call of God to surrender our lives. It, it began out of this wonder, this wow of what we realized what Jesus has done, the revelation that the cross was real and Jesus is real and he died on the cross to save our soul to take our sin, we, we recognize and realize and we gained a revelation, not something we could understand necessarily in our human thinking, but the Holy Spirit did something in us, a deep work where our spirit came alive and recognized the truth of who this Jesus was. And it began with this great relationship. We couldn't get enough of Jesus. We wanted to be in worship. We wanted to be in church. We wanted to be in prayer meetings. We wanted to be at everything. We were hungry for more of God and it started in relationship with him. We were desperate for him to change our lives. We'd lived for ourselves. We'd tried it our way and it didn't work out. So we turned our lives over to him and we're desperate for change to come. We're never meant to lose it. We're never meant to get to the point where, well, Jesus, you did it. Thank you, Lord, that you've done what you've done in me. I'm finished. No, we're not finished. It's a life of desire and hunger for him to change. Hebrews 3.14, we've come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold to our original, if we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. We need to know more than about Jesus. We need to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. Listen, it's easy to be in church and get to know all about Jesus. I've heard a lot about him. And somehow not have an intimate, personal walk with him as my saviour. We don't just need to know about Jesus. We need a personal, intimate relationship. That's my prayer for this year. For some of us this year, we need to reconnect afresh with him as saviour and lord of our lives. To remember this relationship is an everyday thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. If I can put it that way. Imagine leaving your faith, your discipleship journey, to a Sunday. Imagine getting to the stage where Sunday's enough for you. If you attend church on what they give us is the average right now, the average person, person attends church somewhere between one and two weekends a month. That's the current statistics. So at best, if the Sunday becomes your discipleship journey, you might get 26 Sundays a year. Don't let your discipleship and relationship with Christ become watered down to 26 times when it's designed for 365. If you just think about that in a logical term, 
If your discipleship and relationship with God is built, if you're lucky, on 26 weekends a year. Unless you're old school and you come every single time we open the doors of the church, God bless you. Want some more old school people in the church. Otherwise, it's likely to be 26 times a year. I may remember what the preacher said if I'm lucky. It may cause a change. It might cause something to shift. But if my relationship with God is the way it's designed to be, 365 days a year, I'm aware of the presence of God. I'm talking to God. I'm allowing God to speak into my life. I'm opening the Word or I'm getting a a Bible app on my phone so I'm at least getting a verse a day that I could read. And maybe in that 365 days, God will speak to you. It's an incredible thing when God speaks to you out of His Word. And the reason I press it is because Jesus is hungry for intimacy with His people. He's not looking for a 26 times a year kind of faith. And it's challenging, I know. But you couldn't build a marriage on 26 conversations a year. You couldn't raise your children on 26 conversations a year. I don't know how we expect to have an intimate relationship with the one who died for us and saved us 26 times a year. Let me finish with this passage. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We've seen two roads, we've seen two gates, we've seen two trees. Now we see two builders. In this passage, both buildings look secure in good weather. In Palestine, though it was dry, and it was known as a dry place. It was also known for torrential rains that could turn dry and parched into raging torrents. Only storms could reveal the quality of each building. Who knows, we have storms in life and they can rise pretty quickly day to day. The thought in this passage we draw from the wise and foolish builder. Let me put it this way. The foolish builder is a fair weather Christian. I'm happy while everything is tracking well. I'm going well while there's no storms in my life. I'm okay. As long as there's no marriage difficulty or financial problem or health problem, while it's all going smoothly, I'm okay. But who knows that's a foolish way to live your faith and to live your life. But that's what this passage is speaking to. But then there's the wise builder who hears the words of Jesus and allows them to take root in his heart and to be activated in his life. Knows how to stand on the promises of God in the midst of a marriage difficulty, in the midst of a financial problem, in the midst of a health issue. Knows how to claim the truth of the Word of God. Knows how to put the words of the Savior into practice. Knows how to hang on to an eternal promise and allow it to bring hope into their life. A wise master builder hears the words of Jesus and puts them into action. Represents someone who knows Christ intimately. Not someone who has a knowledge about 
Jesus, but has a relationship with him. 2019, I want to build the kind of life as a follower of Jesus follows the pattern of the wise master builder who builds their life upon the the rock. This kind of life is open to change, is willing for transformation, allows the words spoken through scripture to take root in one's heart, to be the thing that we build our lives on, build our foundation upon, not shifting sands, not to become fear weather Christians who I got a little bit of truth, but not enough to sustain me when the storms come. And when the storms come, it's going to reveal the building that I've built. It's not a lot that's going to help it to stand in the midst of the trial. I want a life, continue to build a life that stands on the rock, builds a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him that really makes this discipleship journey personal for me. I guess if I sum it up for you this morning, don't let your discipleship journey be corporate only. It was never designed to be corporate. In fact, this isn't discipleship at all. This is the Sunday gathered church where we get to come together in celebration and worship God together in the house of God, where we all get to shine our light together brighter than ever, worship and praise His name. Hear the preaching of the word that we can apply to our lives, that we can live out day in, day out. See, your discipleship journey is meant to be personal, not corporate. Jesus wants it every day. Jesus wants to take you on the journey every single day that when things go wrong in your life, guess what? The truth of God's word causes you to stand up in the face of adversity, in the face of whatever it is that you're going through. This morning in a few moments, we're gonna sing the song Heart of God. Let this be a moment where we just say yes again to the journey of change, transformation. Embrace the promise that God is with us in the journey. The change is driven by His kindness and His mercy. It's not driven by His judgment. He's kind and He's merciful and He loves us. That's why He brings the transformation into our lives that we would be made in the image. We would be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. The song just creates room for us all, no matter where we are at on the journey of faith, to reconnect in a fresh way with our Saviour and our Lord. Maybe it's tough today because right now you're in the midst of a storm. Or today you realise you have been more about doing than you've been about relationship. Or it's been once a week only on a Sunday that you've found yourself connecting with Jesus Christ. Whatever it is for you, I'm a firm believer that a sermon can only do so much. It can only begin something in your heart. It can only sow a seed into your spirit. It's your response that will decide whether it's fruitful or not. I mean, my heart is that it will not return void. My heart is that it will not just be a seed that falls to the ground, but it will take root in your heart and your response will determine whether it has fruitfulness attached to it or not because our discipleship, our change, our transformation is our decision. What will I do with what I've heard? Our response becomes the defining moment. Let the next few moments be a moment of heart response. Will you just say, Lord, I I open my heart again. Would you bring the change? Would you bring the transformation that I need in my life? Would you stand with me as I pray? 
and then we're going to sing. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your kindness and your mercy that lead us to repentance, that moment of again turning back to you. It leads us back to your heart and to that wonderful place of closeness with you. Holy Spirit, as we sing the song today, would you just minister to each and every heart that is present here? You being the only one who knows the state of every one of our hearts. Would you fill each one of us with a fresh sense of courage this year just to keep turning back to you? In the midst of distractions, we find ourselves distant from you. Would you give us the courage to continue to turn our faces back towards you, to be open to transformation, to the renewing of our minds, Holy Spirit, this year as we would pick up your word and read it, pray it would renew our minds. Pray we'd receive great revelation and insight and understanding that would bring the renewing of our minds and align us with your truth. We commit ourselves to you afresh at the start of this year. We choose to put ourselves on the altar again and as often as need be this year, we would continue to come to you as disciples who are willing to walk into growth and walk into change. Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts and lives to you. We continue to surrender each and every day our lives back to you. All we say, God, is have your way in us. Lord, as we sing this song, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would do a work in each of our hearts. Maybe there are some here today who are somewhat drifting. It's kind of like my relationship with God has really been very sporadic. I've been wondering about whether I should attend church at all. Holy Spirit, would you do a work in their heart? Would there come a courage just to turn back to you? Posture themselves in a place of worship and praise and a willingness to say, Lord, bring that transformation on the inside. In Jesus' name. Father, where there are people this morning, they're in the midst of a storm, difficulties. Maybe it is marriage. Maybe it, it is finances. Maybe it's, it's, it's relationship with somebody. Holy Spirit, would you just in a fresh way touch every heart with that eternal hope? Will we not let the circumstance overwhelm us or take priority or take control? But Jesus, today we put you back in your rightful place. We look to you and we ask Holy Spirit that you invade our situations, our difficulties, and you have your way in the midst of them. It's our posture to open our lives to you. In Jesus' name, let's sing together.